Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Blue uh, Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothbaum back in the chair. And I think we're going to call this week's show The B-Team. Why The B-Team, I hear you ask. Well, we're going to talk Burnley, Bernardo, Bruges, and then The B-Team as well. Uh, if we get time, we'll talk about 1968 medal winners, Sterling's possible exit and the Newcastle takeover. So much to discuss with my three guests. Welcome to Nick Goldstone, Roger Reed, and Spencer Debson. Good evening. Hello. Good evening. Marvellous. Um, listen, let, let's start with Burnley. Rog, you were there, uh, as always. Um, I suppose you could say, you know, three points, clean sheet, but not that convincing, but did, did the job when needed. Yeah, I, I think the important thing for City is just to keep uh, pace and keep close to Liverpool and Chelsea. They're the uh, the pace setters, I think, in the Premier League. So it, winning the game was the most important thing. The performance wasn't particularly brilliant, as uh, certainly compared to previous performances against Burnley. Um, I think the last three seasons we've won 5-0 in each of the uh, Premier League games. So... 2-0, perhaps not quite uh, living up to the business. But uh, no, they did enough to win. There were some super performances. I thought Bernardo, again, was absolutely brilliant. Rodri, I thought, again, on the ball, absolutely superb. Um, and yeah, we deserve to win the game. Simple as that. And we did enough. We were obviously the either side of, uh, of big games for us as well. And obviously the international break. So it was important we got through without any more injuries. As you know, that's my big concern. We've already got Ferran now uh, injured in the longer term. So the squad is immediately reduced again. Um, so that's my big worry going into the winter. Spencer, how did you sit? Well, that's a, that's a hard act to follow, Roger, isn't it? You got a fantastic synopsis of what happened, um, and um, think how Nick feels. He's got to come up. I know. To I'm trying to think <laughs> of things that are adding value over and above what Roger said. And thank you and good night. No, um, it was a. It was, we, you know, we we dominated possession by and large, and we were not, we were not at our best. Uh, good good finish from De Bruyne. Uh, we've become expectant of uh, five nils every time, haven't we? It's not always like that. So I just saw that as a as a job, job reasonably well done, 
Uh, no injuries. As you say, Bernardo continues his spectacular run of form. Long may it continue. Um, and on to the next game. I mean, that, that's that's where it was, really. So, Nick, anything to add? But if not, maybe you could just pick up on Bernardo. Both Roger and Spencer talked about Bernardo. I'm interested to have your your view as to him. He was, he was out the door, of course, in, in some people's minds not that long ago. He was kind of going to be... Grealish comes in, he was going to be one of the casualties, he was going to go, and suddenly he's man of the season. Well, I, I was going to add some incredibly uh, important and um, extremely analytical points to the uh, to the stuff that the guys had already said. Uh, but, um, well, I, I, yeah, Bernardo was great. I, I unfortunately couldn't go to the game at fairly short notice um, and was reduced to uh, watching the the full rerun of it on the TV um, over the weekend um, and uh, listening to it live on on what what what, what um, on the radio as as uh, as we may uh, remember uh, having done in the past um, but Bernardo was brilliant he was everywhere um, it was a it was a you know, it was a fairly laboured performance from about 20, 25 minutes out. Um, I thought the first goal was absolutely superb. Um, and, you know, if, if you do watch it back on the TV, you'll see that we controlled possession for about five minutes before we actually um, stuck the ball in the back of the net. Um, but after that, it all got a bit flat and a bit laboured. And we ended up with Kevin De Bruyne scoring one of those goals where he smashes it so hard into the net and looks so angry afterwards that you just know that he was so peed off with the number of chances that we'd spurned and the number of opportunities that we gave Burnley to get back into it that he just felt that he had to score the second goal himself and for it to be done with. Um, and um, yeah, I think that's about all there is to say about that game. I mean, Roger, it, it could have been one of those games that we've seen many, many times where people could have said, this is why City need a striker. Uh, it's a major problem for them. Um, and, you know, there were times where Burnley had the chances when it was only 1-0. One of those could have gone in and we didn't take the chances. And, and it's that argument that, that still that we need that 30-goal-a-season striker. Uh, it's still there, isn't it? I mean, it's fine goals coming from all over the park, but I just feel in my bones that, we're not going to win as many competitions as we would like without that striker in place. We, we do need that, don't we? Yeah, and, and can I just say thanks to Spencer and Nick for the kind comments, by the way, about the review of the game. Um, I forgot to say that we, we obviously ended up with 71% possession uh, and I think around about double the number of shots on goal that Burnley had. So, yeah, the concern is we only scored two. I think Nick was more or less implying that, that, you know, scoring only two from 15 shots on goal is is not a good return, truthfully. So, and certainly not at the highest level. If we're going to win the Champions League, We've already experienced, you know, the, the the clinical finishing of PSG. We need to we need to match that finishing really to uh, to have any chance of winning certainly the bigger pot this year. And Spencer, Nick had a, had a go at Bernardo. He only mentioned him in passing. We, we spent more time uh, listening to how he watched the game and didn't go, which was fascinating for everybody listening, I'm sure. Uh, but your your thoughts on Bernardo? Oh, I listened to the radio and I had the visual of Bernardo. Uh, he's, it's interesting psychology, isn't it? Because he was, by all accounts, ready to go. He wanted to be with, more, with his family. There wasn't a bid that came in. And I suppose you can go one of two ways with something like that. You can sort of switch off 
or saying, okay, I'm staying and I need to now fight for my place because obviously Grealish was in. We are overloaded really with uh, midfielders. Uh, we do we do lack the, the centre forward, as, as the guys have said. Uh, and no doubt that will rear its head again in the, in the next transfer windows. But he has been absolutely fantastic. I mean, he's really been back to his form of 1819 uh, when we had the 98-point season. Uh, you always remember these fantastic games against thinkers in Liverpool against that season where he literally ran in, I think he ran 12 or 13 kilometres that game and, uh, and ran ragged, the talent and the application. And he's really come back. And I mean, it, he's made a, a huge difference. I mean, he's, he's undroppable, isn't he? Um, and that creates uh, a you know, midfield uh, selection uh, headache, really. But he's, it's a pleasure and an unexpected pleasure. And in a way, it's a sort of, um, it's an additional resource that we didn't think we'd have this season. Um, and, you know, we, we will, we will, we'll be there or thereabouts this season. We all know that. But I think the question that you're asking is, do, do, do other people have to raise their game alongside Bernardo uh, and be at that high level sustainably through the season and take our chances to really land the top uh, the, the, the top prizes? That's the question, really, this season. And where do you sit on that question then, Nick? Of where we're going to end up this year? Yeah, and whether we need the striker or not, whether... Uh, yeah, well, I think that, that, you know, there were a few performances that were worth um, a, a brief discussion. Um, I think that um, the... Uh, I thought Raheem Sterling didn't do himself any great favours um, in the way that he played. I thought Riyad Mahrez was, um, you know, worked hard, actually. Uh, things didn't quite come off for him on the day, but that they will. Um, and it didn't do a great deal overall to disavow to the idea that we might well just fall a little bit too short when, when, um, when push comes to shove at the very end of the season in one or more competitions. Um, uh, just, just a couple of other very brief mentions, Nigel. I thought Zach Stefan had a great game and, um, you know, well done to him because he, he really pulled things out, out for us uh, on, on one or two occasions. And also, um, Jao Can, Cancelo, the enigma that is Cancelo, who, who I, 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 for some reason, um, I, I ha, have uh, fallen madly in love with and think he's one of the, the most talented uh, players, certainly as a, as, as a fullback that I think we've ever had. Um, and he makes a massive contribution to us going forward. Um, you know, absolutely in those games where it's tough to break down a team like Burnley, who were actually quite disciplined and well-organised for a change at the weekend. Um, but he does make some errors um, at the back and um, defending. But you've just... You know, if 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 you're going to trust in Pep, as they say, then you've got to accept that he is the sort of archetypal Pep player as a fullback because he the defensive discipline is partially sacrificed for what he he gives you going forward. And I've got to say, I will back him for you know forever and a day because I think he's just a, such a fabulous player. 
And, and does Mrs. Goldstone know about this newfound love of yours? Is there some you shared with us? And you want to share, share <laughs> well, with the group and, and, and the listeners? Uh, well, this- I, as it happens, it was my 22nd wedding anniversary yesterday. Um, and um, thank you. And he he, he 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 didn't come up in conversation during the entire day. So I think she's <laughs> she's accepted it. Well, lovely. We wish him many. We wish him many more, Nick Spencer. Let's ask you a quick one on Cancelo because we really he's a wonderful player and he's taken time to settle in, but he's really flourished the last year. Um, but are we backing him as as a permanent left back or as a you know a utility player who can play all over? Um, how are we? sort of seeing him uh, so Rog Rog Spencer's now clearly out. all I do is take the piss out of Nick and, and Spencer <laughs> asked the, ask the serious questions so maybe oh, I, I, I don't know myself the answer that's why no, no, I, I think it's a, it's a great question to ask Spencer to be fair I think um, I, I used to work with a wonderful guy called Ken Barnes who was chief scout at City in the 70s and 80s and uh, Ken Barnes always used to say to me that if you can play football it doesn't matter what position you play if you can play football, you can play in any position. And Cancelo is the absolute epitome for me of that player. He's a bit like, do you remember, Nigel, in the 60s, we had Dave Connor, Mr. Versatility, who could play yeah, everywhere? Well, your favourite player at the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cancelo for me is just, Spencer's right, he's so talented. He's up there in the top 50 footballers in the world at the moment for me and probably the top 20. Um, and I think he's, a, he's absolutely on fire. Coming back to Raheem Sterling, I, I, you probably know that they played him more or less as the deep line centre forward in the first half and they changed it second half. And that was partly because it wasn't working out for him. I don't know. I've got a theory about Raheem and I think it is, honestly, that since Sergio went, he's missed him more than anybody. Uh, and his declining form, you can almost date back to when Sergio got injured last year uh, and obviously he's been missing completely this year. Um, he's, he doesn't just seem to have the same joie de vivre without Sergio. I don't know why. I can't put my finger on it. But his performances just aren't quite as solid uh, as they were with, with, with Sergio. And I'm interested to just, just while we're talking about Sterling, just get each of your views about his comments and, and how Pep responded. Uh, I suppose in, in simple terms, he's been allegedly said that, you know, he wants more game time and will be happy to leave City. And Pep's kind of said, well, anybody's happy to leave City if they're not happy here, I think is my very simple summary of the situation. Uh, uh, Nick, it, I, that's fair enough, isn't it, would you say? Or do you have a different view? Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I think the only sort of mildly controversial and um, arguable thing about what, what Sterling came out with was the timing and the the place at which at which, at which he he came out with it because the rest of it's fairly obvious really which is you know if I'm not going to play then I might as well go somewhere else which is perfectly reasonable and understandable and uh, I don't think any other player would have um, would have a, would have would have any other um, a, a, any other response Spencer. You do wonder, don't you? He's got. Remember when he left Liverpool for City? There was a lot of talk in the press about his agent's uh, role, wasn't there? There was a fair bit of acrimony, and you do wonder whether there's something brewing in the background. Uh, and it may well be the case because uh, he's not getting he's not getting the game time. Uh, he in Guardiola has a manager who is, you know, broadly very meritocratic. Um, 
he's not like Roberto Mancini, who would pick Mario Balotelli, irrespective of whether he was setting off fireworks or or knocking the goals in. And um, he has fallen down the pecking order somewhat. I mean, and you know, he did finish bottom of the Times rankings in the Burnley game, doesn't he? And that, and that, you know, that the stats don't don't lie really. He's he's off form. So you know, he's twenty six years old, uh, starting to make noises about leaving. I suspect in terms of. Uh, of transfer value, we're probably not far off the peak of what we might realise for him. Um, you know, we have to we have to have financial. Isn't financial fair play still in the mix somewhere? Um, so I do think that it could be the could be the moment for him to move on. And I think that whereas eighteen months ago that would have been uh, we would have seen that as cataclysmic, uh, it's far from that now. And uh, I think that. Uh, Overall, if if a good offer comes in, he leaves. We can we can handle that and and and, and move forward. Rog, with, with injuries that you mentioned before, and Sterling potentially going as well. Do you think he could go in January? Do you think that's a, a possibility, or do you think we'll keep hold of him till the end of and uh, it goes in the summer? Well, let me just say the general picture that it still concerns me is that from this 25-man squad, we're obviously three short when we started the season. Three of the remaining 22 players were goalkeepers, which leaves you with 19 outfield players, one of which is Mendy and another one of which is Torres. So we're immediately down to a working squad where we need all our players. Now, Sterling... He may be a little bit short of confidence, a little bit off form at the moment, but hopefully he will get that back because he's going to get game time. The, the, the bottom line is that with so many, uh, so, sorry, with such a few number of players in the squad, he is going to get the game time that he's demanding. The difference is he's not automatically going to be in the starting eleven. Um, and to be fair, we've seen that at countless clubs in the past, haven't we? I think it happened with uh, Dennis Stewart, didn't it, years ago, where you demand a first-team place. And of course, no manager in the world will guarantee anybody a first-team place. I think Pep's handled it very, very well, by the way. Uh, as ever, his uh, his managership is absolutely second to none. Nick? Uh, yeah, look, Pep has the great great luxury of being one of the very, very few managers in the world game who can basically do exactly as he wants. Um, and there aren't very many who, with Raheem Sterling in their squad, would be able to effectively um, be of a mindset whereby, you know, Raheem, you can do what you like. I don't really care. You know, I'll support you if you stay. But if you want to go, then you can go. Um, and I'll play you when I like. And if you like it, then that's great. And if you don't, then that's that's also great. Um, so that's that that's uh, one aspect to it. Uh, uh, and um, Roger, I think you're right that you know clearly we don't want to to weaken our squad in any way. And I I, I can't imagine there'll be anything like a knee jerk reaction uh, from the club as to what what they do with Sterling. One of the interesting aspects of what he said, I thought, really interesting, was that he'd be interested in going abroad, which opens things up. Uh, 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 an awful lot because you know there's clearly very very few clubs in the UK in, in England who could afford him or or where he would want to go um, and there's not that many across Europe who could afford him and where he would want to go but it opens it up a little bit more and makes and 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 and, and therefore there's a few more options. Um, and clearly where Raheem might 
might go for big money is where that results in a, a very, very top world-class striker coming to the club. That, that's fine, but if we're honest, there's only one club in the rest of the world that can afford Raheem at the moment, and that's PSG. And they're not going to sign him, having just signed Messi. So it does restrict his options, I think, in terms of where he might go in the future. But let's consider him as a vital member of the squad who hopefully is going to get his confidence back and, and play the part in getting us to the Champions League final again. That's where we need to go this year. All right, well, listen, let's take a break. When we come back, I'm going to challenge Roger Reed in terms of that being the only club he can go to, because we might go to Newcastle United as well, of course. Uh, and we'll discuss that right after this break. Uh, welcome back. What I want to talk about um, next is 1968. And I know there's only one person, as well as myself, on the show this week who remembers uh, winning the league in 1968 and that amazing team that we had in the late 60s and early 70s under Mercer and Allison. And that's uh, my good friend, Roger Reed. Roger, how did you feel being at the ground where you saw those four players, Paul Hintz, Harry Dowd, Stan Horn and Bobby Kennedy, or, or not them, their, their family representatives in some cases? Yeah, um, uh, at last getting those medals that they so richly deserved. That was quite an emotional. Oh, it was. It, it, I think credit to the club because the club obviously played a more than significant part. Firstly, in getting the medals, the replica medals for them, but but the way they handled it at half time at the at the game was absolutely wonderful. And I, I can't. I must confess, there was a tear in my eye. Uh, because obviously the, Harry Dowd has passed away. Such a tragedy that he's uh, passed away before uh, his family got the medal. Uh, and Paul Hintz, sadly, is, is not so well as well. So he had his son collecting his medal. But it was great to see one of the, well, a couple of the heroes from the 60s that you and I will, will have watched in, over the years and age, Stan Horn and Bobby Kennedy. Bobby Kennedy, I didn't recognise because he does. He looks like your granddad now. Uh, and of course, it was just wonderful, really. And, and to see Mike Summerby give him such a big hug when he was giving him the medal was, was fantastic. One thing I will say, and that is, and you'll smile at this, but do you know there were five other players that didn't play uh, in five matches in that championship winning season, 67-68? Uh, they played in four games or less, and they were Stan Bowles, Roy Cheatham, Chris Jones, Alan Ogley and John Clay. Now, they all contributed. Two of them played in four games, uh, but they don't get a medal. And it would be lovely to think that they could be recognised as well. I mean, I'm, I'm an old romantic, as you know, Nigel. Uh, I just think if the club could do something for those five players as well, it would be wonderful. I, I mean, I, I echo everything you, you said. Um, I'm not sure about the, the four or five. They've got to draw a line somewhere, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, the draw the line at no. <laughs> <laughs> I think there'd be so many lying around, but, but but I know what you mean. But just Bobby Kennedy, I agree. But the, on the other side, uh, Stan Horn looked looked he looked exactly the same as he did when he was putting his play. <laughs> he looked after after a bit of a dodgy first half. I thought he looked well enough to come on second half. He, it was terrific to see him. It really was, yeah. And he he, he was. Yeah, I mean, I remember him playing in in the second division and then the promotion team. Uh, with the old maroon, sky blue and white hoop socks. Nice. Do you remember those in 66, 67? Fantastic. Hey, incidentally, you may not know this, Nice, but I seem to remember that you, me and your dad were in Apple Pie Corner of the Platte Lane stand in December 1968 when City beat Burnley 7-0. 
So there's a memory for you. I think I was sat next to you watching that game. It's very likely. And, and we've got two of our colleagues sitting here sort of listening to us reminisce. We must I know. We're sad and old, aren't we? Sorry. <laughs> I, I, know, I know you two don't remember 68. And I guess these players probably are just names on, on, on the stats to, to you. Can I bring it more up to date and, and actually talk to you about Cole Palmer? Uh, and that was quite a day for him, wasn't it, uh, uh, Nick, in terms of playing for the first team and then sort of going over the bridge and sort of sort of getting getting a different kit on and, and scoring a hat trick. What what a day for the boy and what a, what a prospect he looks as well. Yeah, it's it's starting to feel like he's got a really uh, tangible chance of really breaking into the first team and um, and becoming a really really top player. Um, excellent, fantastic. And so, any any thoughts on Cole Palmer? No, I mean, I, I I just remembered from a charity shield. It was the first time I think I'd ever seen him play, um, and he, you know, he looked really, you know, very useful. So, look forward to hearing about his progress. I mean, the, the other thing that did occur to me whilst we're talking about these young players is um, is Liam Delap. You know, he he sort of made some cameo appearances, hasn't he, over the last year, and has been spoken of really well, and and is you know progressing really fantastically well. You know, if we're short on on squad um, forwards, why don't we give him a little bit more game time and, and, and prominence? It's a good point because he did. He, he scored. Did he scored in the League Cup early on? I think didn't he? And made a real impression when he first came on. He looked strong and like a good old fashioned centre forward. People refer to him as, but haven't seen or heard much of him since. It's, it's a good point. That maybe maybe he's not progressing as quickly as they would like, or Pep just sees them other options elsewhere. Um, let, listen, let's look forward to the Champions League as well. Um, uh, Spencer, just, just kick off for us, would you, then, in terms of Bruges, um, having fallen short in the, in the last game, of course, against a, a top team. Bruges are not quite in that class. Yeah, well, they're not. But having said that, they did get a, a draw, didn't they, at PSG? And uh, as we sit, you know, a couple of games in, um, they're in the mix, aren't they? So... This next game is the third game out of six. Uh, we need to post a result here, I think, to sort of take the pressure away from uh, from ourselves. Uh, and I think these are the kinds of games that you can easily slip up. So I think we underestimate it as our peril. I'm sure uh, Pep will not do that. Uh, I believe there'll be a strong team out there. I was reading that um, our Brazilians, Edison... Um, and co are probably going to play. I think they've gone straight to Belgium, have they not, from mm. Brazil, having played in the, uh, at the weekend. Uh, so feeling confident, obviously we should win it, but it's it's one where we could easily slip up and we need to be on our metal to make sure we, we get the result we need. Uh, Nick, not quite a, a must win, but, but important all the same. Oh yeah, I think it's uh, it's all yes, it's almost a, it's almost a must win. I mean, in, in terms of expectation, uh, it is certainly a a a win game. Uh, I think we're sort of odds on, and uh, Bruges are about twelve to one. Albeit, you know, they're second in the Belgian league. Must point out, Nigel. Last time, I think last time I was I was fortunate enough to appear on your show. Uh, you asked me about Bruges, and I said, yeah, they're in Belgium. But I've 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 just spent a few moments looking at looking at recent uh, Bruges results and what they're about, and they're second in the league. They've won the last three out of uh, four um, titles in in Belgium, 
and they drew even with Vincent Company's great Anderlecht team a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and they've not disgraced themselves by any means in the Champions League this season, albeit they haven't emerged from the group stages or whatever it was in, in, the, in the European Cup straight Champions League for over 40 years. Um, but they are undoubtedly a pretty decent team. And I think that the great peril is that we um, underrate them and um, we don't put out a very strong team tomorrow night. Are you in love with any of the players or, or not anything we need to know about or just Cancelo, is it still? <laughs> well, I, I, I went through the Bruce squad and I not only am I not in love with any of their players, but I've never actually heard of any of them either, except for Simon Mignolet, their goalkeeper. Brilliant. Rog, your thoughts ahead of the Bruce game? <laughs> Follow that. Um, yeah, well, the one thing I do know about Bruce, they've got a couple of guys that are scoring quite a few goals. Um, I think they've got two players that have scored five and six goals respectively. So we, we mustn't underestimate them. And Pep, Pep's, uh, Pep's not daft. He knows what he's doing. He certainly won't underestimate them. Um, but I think the, uh, the, the we play Bruges home and away, obviously, in the next two games in the Champions League. So these are very important games uh, and we can't afford to lose them. Simple as that, because if we lose them, we're struggling to qualify. Um, so we, we, we do, we need to get results um, in both games, in my view. Um, and I think he will play a strong, a strong squad, coming back to what Nick just said. Yeah, I think it will be, a, it will certainly be the, what I consider to be the first, uh, first choice back four uh, and goalkeeper. So, uh, yeah, let's see, see how we go from there. Before we get on to the final B of, of the show, which is, of course, the Brighton fixture as well, which is the next Premier League fixture at the, at the weekend, uh, I'm keen just to get your view on the Newcastle takeover. Uh, we touched on it earlier on uh, in terms of who might be able to afford Raheem Sterling. I know, Rod, you were talking about abroad, but I just sort of scored a few points there in terms of saying they might be able to have a, few, <laughs> a, a bit of spare cash behind the sofa. Um, it's virtually abroad anyway, Newcastle. It, pretty much, yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't know, we're... City's owners are worth what 34 billion, and, and Newcastle's are sort of th- over 300 billion, which kind of just helps us put it into perspective. I'm, I'm just interested in your view, sort of generally. I don't necessarily want to get into human rights and stuff, but just from a footballing point of view, mm-hmm. what that does to football, what it does for Premier League, will they be looking at City in terms of the blueprint, which I suspect they might? Um, Rog, you, you, your, your thoughts on, on, on the whole sort of Newcastle takeover and, and, and what it means for, for football? I think it's fantastic. I th- honestly, I think it's fantastic. I, ignoring the human rights debates and the dis- those discussions which are going to go on, and they're also going to go on in in relation to Qatar as well for the for the World Cup next year. Uh, those ignoring those discussions, I think it's fantastic because what worries me in the Premier League at the moment is that we have got three clubs who are top of the league: Chelsea, Liverpool, and City. And there's light years, as you saw in the Watford-Liverpool game on Saturday. It's just a massive chasm between the clubs at the bottom of the Premier League and the clubs at the top. Uh, And those three clubs are so far and away better. Uh, Bringing an investment of money to bring Newcastle into potential to be another competitor for those top three would be fantastic for the game. Yeah, you know, I think City fans are sensible. They're the only people that I know that have reacted positively to the Newcastle takeover. All the other clubs see it as a threat. No, let's let's greet it with open arms. It's great for the game, surely. <laughs> Agreed, Nick. Would you agree with what Roger said? 100%. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, I... Um, 
it's uh, uh, you know for, for a number of reasons and and yes you know this year probably it is about uh the top three but it was only three or four or five years ago where you know you had spurs right in the mix as well and it really was a sort of a six or a, or, a, or 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 even a seven um who were going for the top four and the top six and it just means that there is, you know, all of a sudden it means there are so many more games every week that are really important for various reasons uh, all the way across the league. Increases competitiveness, just makes life more interesting. You know, I would much rather play a strong Newcastle team who are challenging than turn up every time, expect to win. And, um, you know, it's a fairly banal kind of game. Um, I am really pleased for them. I've got, a, um, I'm, as it, just mentioning again, my wife, who is from Newcastle, is a Geordie. Who is listening? Not, not, won't be listening because she's got no interest in football whatsoever. But, uh, you know, I've got a little bit of an affinity for Newcastle and uh, I'm just absolutely delighted. Before I come to Spencer, Rod, you, you want to come back in? Yeah, just, just to say that, that you, you might all be amazed to remember the fact that 25 years ago, Newcastle were actually challenging at the top. They were, they were second in the league with the, a team that boasted the likes of Les Ferdinand and David Ginoler and Kevin Keegan was the manager. That was 25 years ago. And, you know, it's 25 years to the day on Wednesday since Newcastle beat that other team from Manchester 5-0 at St. James's Park. What a team that was. That was a fantastic Newcastle team. If they could get back to that sort of playing standard as a result of the takeover, we'd all welcome it. It's as simple as that. We'd welcome it. Spencer, and I'm then going to come back to Nick for a final word on this. Spencer. Yeah, I mean, look, Newcastle is a, is a great footballing city, isn't it? They've got amazing fan base. And I don't doubt that was uh, a major reason why uh, they got the investment. I mean, I was remembering actually Faustino Aspria as well in that team that you're talking about, Roger. That was, he was an exciting player, wasn't he? So I'm sure there'll be an exciting brand of football there. Uh, some good friends of mine and Newcastle fans, happy for them. And so absolutely, it's a positive. And uh, I did actually have a, a minor chuckle, though, when, when they scored after two minutes uh, and they switched to the, uh, the ownership group and Amanda Stavely jumping up and down going, <laughs> my God, we've made it, we've done it. You know, and the rest of that game uh, proved otherwise. But it'll take time, won't it? But I, I think uh, everyone is fed up with Mike Ashley, even if you're outside Newcastle. Let's have some new injection of enthusiasm, pace, finance and, uh, and enjoy it. Let's, 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 let's go. I was more concerned the fact that Deck and Ant were sitting the wrong way round, which confused the shit out of me. When they were <laughs> I mean, what was that all about? I think that's the question we should be asking. <laughs> and what the hell were they doing in the, in the, in the box up there? Terrible. Uh, Nick, just one final word on the, on the Newcastle takeover. Um, and, and then maybe you can look forward to Brighton for us as well, finally, before we go. Well, just on the Newcastle takeover, I mean, the, the environment's very different now to how it was sort of 13 odd years ago when the money came in to us and, and prior to that to Chelsea. It's much, much harder, I think, to, to spend the money effectively now than it was. And I mean, maybe it's not quite as, as, as straightforward of that given the last 18 months, but it's, it's a fair bit harder. Um, but, I, but I do think that the managers are now becoming even more important than they ever were. You know, the value of a, of a great manager 
is is vastly more than any player I, I, I would say. And I think we're we're actually heading towards an area where the managers are becoming are, are going to be the the highest paid of everyone in the game, as opposed to these players on half a million pounds a week. Because what price for a Pep Guardiola at Newcastle? You know what what price? Yeah, I hope he's not going anywhere. Anytime. He's not. He's not going to go there. It, he's not. But I'm just it's not going to happen. The, 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 I, I think. I think the point is a good one, and I think we've. Uh, some people would uh, be surprised in some ways to hear me say it, but you know, we've we, we've we've got the best manager that there is, and um, he's irreplaceable, and invaluable. All right. Um, thanks for that. The fi- final word then, briefly, if you can, just looking forward to title contenders Brighton and, and Hove Albion, of course, who are flying high at the moment, over overperforming or justifying their position. Nick, uh, kick us off on, on the game at the weekend, please. Well, it's another one where we don't want to underestimate them. They're, 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 they're doing really well so far this year. Um, and clearly, we're going to come off the back of a of a midweek Champions League game. We've got it's a wet, you know, it's all those mix, it's all that mix that makes you think that's where we're going to slip up potentially. Um, you know, we've got to rely on the embarrassment of riches that we are told we have in our squad. I've got a long list of players that didn't play at the weekend um, who could easily have played. You know, a, a lot of them will uh, on Tuesday night and. Um, I, I, you know, again, it's just going to be about converting chances. It's as simple as that. Yeah, Spencer, they beat us. They go ahead of us, of course. Uh, they're only two points behind, so uh, they could. Uh, there's a big incentive for them. Yeah, I mean, we just spoke about you know the top six being uh, you know without without competition, but Brighton have been the overachievers so far, haven't they? Good unit, good manager, uh, players, a team uh, could easily be one for a slip up. So. Uh, we need to regroup after Bruges and, uh, and and play our normal game to our normal standard. And, you know, you would hope and expect we would win it, but, but never, you don't know what you don't know. So let's see what happens. Rog? Yeah, I think it's a tough game. I, I, a great credit to Graham Potter, the, uh, the, the manager. I think he's... Uh, Something of a disciple of Pep's, I think. He's play, He's got Brighton playing a little bit like City. It's taken him a while to get the players in to play the system he wants to play. This season, they've had a fabulous start and they are tough. They're going to be tough to beat and that will be a tough game Saturday, particularly bearing in mind we've had the, the travels uh, and, the, and Edison and Jesus have had the travels back from Brazil. Uh, I think exhaustion, tiredness may, uh, may still be part of our our team on Saturday. So hopefully we can uh, deliver a performance. It will certainly be a tough game though. Nick? Yeah, I was just going to say, because uh, I'm just glancing at their uh, recent results and, you know, the last three, they've had a nil-nil against Norwich, a nil-nil against Arsenal and a 1-1 against Crystal Palace. Um, the league is still, in its, is, is still, I think, early enough to be slightly deceiving uh, in terms of where where teams are going to end up at the end of it, um, it, 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 it you know, clearly it doesn't take away from that we, that we certainly don't want to underestimate them. But um, it's a team that you know when after after the the Lord Mayor's week of of Liverpool, PSG, and Chelsea, um, you know we've got a fairly uh, decent run of games of which this is one, and we we really need to look at just knocking these over week by week over the coming weeks now um, 
and really getting into the season. We look forward to that. A huge thanks to my three guests, to Spencer Debson, to Roger Reed, and to Nick Goldstone, who's going to put another poster up of Jao Cancelo on his wall behind him. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. If you'd like to advertise on or sponsor this show, contact us at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.